emerging from the economy of the economy of the economy of the industrial revolution an economy confined to and limited by the earth's physical resources into the economy in mind in which there are no bounds on human imagination and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ed Kless, and unfortunately, my friend and co-host Ron Baker is again unable to join us this week due to some medical challenges he is having, but don't worry, folks, he is doing well, and I expect that he will be fully with us next week. But on today's show, folks, we are pleased to be interviewing... Dr. Sean Stein-Smith and Ron Crowanta. It's Ron's second time on the show, Dr. Smith's first. I'm going to do some quick introductions, so let me read the bios for, for these fine gentlemen, and then we'll get right to our topic today, which is cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin, and all fun stuff like that. So Ron Quaranta currently serves as the chairman and CEO of the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, the world's leading nonprofit trade association promoting the comprehensive adaptation of blockchain technology and crypto assets across globe financial markets. Dr. Sean Stein-Smith is the assistant professor in business and economics department at Lehman College. His research interests and areas of expertise include integrated financial reporting, non-financial reporting, and the intersection of technology, strategic planning, and accounting. I welcome both of you to the show. Thanks for being on The Soul of Enterprise, Ron Kruanta. Thank you, Ed, so much. Really great to be back. And Dr. Sean Stein-Smith. Be here, Ed. Well, Ron, I'm going to start with you. And fortunately, because we only have one Ron today, we will have less <laughs> communication challenges than we had our previous conversation. So that's uh, easier to do. But you were last on our show in October of 2018, which in you know COVID years is a decade ago, right? <laughs> it just seems that <laughs> we're you know, so that. But even in crypto world, that's kind of a long time. So let's talk a little bit. What what's happened for you specifically at the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance in the last let's call it 18 months? Sure, absolutely, Ed, and uh, and thank you for that. It's been really busy, and obviously, we are very concerned about our members and our colleagues. It's it's trying times all around uh, during COVID. Um, what I can say is that many people in different industries have taken this as an opportunity to also try to understand what's going to happen when we get to the other side of this. And part of that conversation, really part of the mission for the WSBA, uh, is helping them understand that calculus, what that roadmap looks like. And so, our members, uh, you know, despite the name Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, it's, it's banks and it's brokerage firms, it's fintech firms. But as my friend Sean will allude to, it is a growing number of accounting practices around the, the country and around the world. It is so, uh, supply chain companies, it is digital media companies, uh, an ungodly amount of lawyers, interestingly enough, all trying to understand how does blockchain change the economic landscape? How does blockchain change their firms? And ultimately, how does blockchain change their careers? What is this going to mean for the future of how they do what they do? 
Yeah, and we'll we will definitely get into some of those use cases because I think those are those are really where it's at. It's it's fascinating. Um, Sean, I want to want to turn to you. You're you're new to the soul of enterprise, but I know you've been a, a listener for a while. I've had you on my other podcast, the Sage Advice mm-hmm. Podcast, a couple of times, yep. and it's been fun to interact with you. But uh, first of all, it, at, beyond the introduction. Uh, you have spent a lot of time worried about or concerned with uh, blockchain as well as Bitcoin even and the integration into the accounting market space. Talk a little bit about your your journey through that that process. Okay, sure thing. Yeah. And so I would say that I got uh, introduced into the Bitcoin blockchain space like I would assume most of us did probably back in 2015, 2014-ish. I you know, had a friend who had a friend. And so then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was down the rabbit hole, uh, you know, going forward. But I say really sort of now, right, in 2020, in 2021, as to going forward as the whole blockchain crypto asset space um, matures and uh, continues to become more mainstream and sort of less of a fringe topic, I really do think that uh, asking the uh, questions and hopefully getting some answers to the uh, questions linked to accounting, taxation, reporting and sort of what information has to actually be uh reported that's at the marketplace as it pertains to blockchain operations in various um crypto assets is going to be more important going forward than i believe individuals and institutions would have thought otherwise and and that's what i want to think i want to concentrate on for our first uh, couple of conversations together maybe the first half of the show is some of these these sure. newer use cases that we've we've seen happen and and ron over to you 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 are i have quoted you a number of times on this i, I think this is this is still one of the most profound quotes about the blockchain where you said we'll know that the blockchain has arrived when we stop talking about blockchain <laughs> and <laughs> And, and I think that that's it's a really important point. I think the the chatter is certainly less than it was when we had you on in 2018, but we're we haven't we're not seeing a tremendous number of use cases in small business yet that I know about. Maybe you can 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 change my mind on that. But what are some of the newer use cases that we're seeing that uh, the, the that you're 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 working on right now? Yeah, and I, uh, thanks for that, Ed. And and I still hold firm to that idea that we will know that blockchains arrived across different industry verticals. To, to, to your point, when we stop saying the phrase blockchain, it's, it really is interesting. And you're you're absolutely right. There's no small business case for blockchain right now, simply because they'll rely on the larger technology providers. They'll rely on the tools and capabilities that they consume now to leverage blockchain in the future. That being said, it's really interesting when you look at the various use cases that are coming to the fore. And, and I've been in the blockchain and crypto space for, for far longer than I want to remember. And, and Ed, I think on our first, uh, our last call, uh, a lot of the conversation was, where are crypto assets going? Where, where are these kind of proof of concepts doing? Uh, and where are they going? I think what's happened over the past 18 to 24 months is we've begun to see the slow percolation of blockchain capabilities as some of the biggest participants in different market segments begin to use blockchain to reinvent certain portions of their business. So one of the big uh, supply uh, use cases that we see is uh, global supply chains. And I know I've had the privilege of presenting this to our colleagues uh, and uh, partners, AICPA and CPA.com, for example, where you look at the Walmart and the IBM Food Trust example, where 
hundreds of millions of dollars of Walmart produce, which is now tracked on a blockchain, is percolating through the entirety of the Walmart produce supply chain. And if you look at some of the public statements that Walmart's made, they will be mandating that all of their vendor producers be on some portion of this blockchain in the next, I believe it's three to five years. And it's important to think about what that means. That means not just one of the largest companies in the world, but all of the smaller feeder companies, the smaller producers, logistics companies, insurance companies that participate in that ecosystem will need to participate on a blockchain. And that has a profound impact on how these businesses evolve. We're seeing that in supply chain. We are absolutely seeing that in uh, what we talked about the first time, Ed, which was banking and finance, as we look at exchanges leveraging blockchain for clearing and settlement. We're even seeing that in healthcare, where things like healthcare records are, are really be at the very beginning days of using blockchain to secure patient information or track prescription pharmaceuticals and prevent, um, prevent illicit copies, for example, or, or counterfeiting. It's really beginning to impact multiple industry groups around the world. Uh, Sean, can you uh, g give your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, sure thing. So I would say that really sort of the whole conversation around blockchain has has moved from a topic that that all of us want to uh, know about, want to learn about, to a topic that all of us are then trying to move to the next level, right? Being, okay, fine, so I understand blockchain, I understand what a crypto asset is, fine, great. How do I use it for my business? And to echo on what uh, Ron was saying there, I think it really is, um, going to be a sort of top-down approach, meaning that the biggest companies in the world, Walmart, we uh, we have Walmart, we have Facebook, we have JP Morgan, all of them rolling out their own sort of uh, in-house and blockchain platforms, so pushing it down to their supply chains. I do think it's almost like a uh, pushback, right? Because the, the whole idea of blockchain, of Bitcoin, was to uh, not use the incumbent financial actors, incumbent financial institutions, or uh, firms in that space. But I would say that really going forward, sort of the biggest progress that we are going to see is with firms like those Walmarts and Facebooks and all the rest sort of trying to lead the way and to uh, um, uh, put a pin on it. I would say that really uh, the point in which we're going to start that we're going to stop talking about blockchain is when it becomes mainstream and it really has to become mainstream via a application uh and that application can be bitcoin or some other use case that we haven't actually gotten to yet but i'd say that at that point we aren't there yet but in order for um i think blockchain to move out of the sort of uh ethereal abstract concept to a everyday sort of use case, we're going to have to develop a application that everyone, be it individuals, merchants, institutions, are able to actually use. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about that. I recently interviewed someone for the Sage Advice podcast who who developed this thing called Cross CrossNet, which is a, a four-way volleyball game 
reminiscent of nine square and some things there but he one of the things that he was mentioning is the challenges of breaking into the walmarts and and the dick sporting goods and what you needed to do to do that and what i'm hearing from both of you is that the possible small business use case will be well if you want to sell your product to these guys you're going to be have to be on a system capable of doing that and whether that's appified and on their iphone or whether that's an accounting system that ties into blockchain that's going to be the place where that's going to connect. So, Sean, just is that, is that, did I get that about right, Sean? Is that what you're thinking as well? Yes, I would say so. Yes, and correct. Okay. Ron, any thoughts on that before we go to our break? Yeah, and just real quickly to add to that, I, I, I agree with you there, Ed. The important part is they're also showing the benefits of leveraging this. They're showing the benefits from a cost savings perspective. They're showing it from an efficiency perspective. So it's not just the I'm Walmart, for example, do this, it, there's real benefit to producers large and small of being part of these solutions. Awesome. Well, we are already up against our first break. I want to remind you that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, the website is thesoulofenterprise.com, where you can get show notes and previews to upcoming shows, as well as see our show page archive going back all 290 plus episodes that we've done. But right now, we want to hear a word from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program, this program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Back on The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Coranta, a chairman and CEO of the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, and Dr. Sean Stein-Smith with Lehman College. And Hey, Sean, you just were completed, I believe last summer, uh, a fellowship with AEIR 
up in Massachusetts and would love to hear uh, the stories. I, I, Ron and I do the bonus episode on Patreon oh, sure. uh, as okay. well as the, our occasional Free Rider Friday. And I got to tell you, the number of stories that we pull from the AEIR blog is pretty often. So love to hear, hear uh, some of your, your, your workings and, and connections that you made when you were up there last summer. Oh, sure thing. Yeah. So, uh, so I was up there, I would say, uh, my, in, so my onsite fellowship started there in, uh, uh, August and it wrapped up right before Christmas, uh, in 20, uh, 19. And so I said that probably the you know, core points that I would take away from that or the core points that I would like to highlight, uh, sort of from that or the importance of, especially right now, um, in this current environment with, you know, debates and opinions and everyone sort of being at each other's throats, the importance of having data, uh, objectivity, and um, being able to analyze issues, be they economic, markets, social issues, from a objective sort of um, third-party point of view. I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the AIER, and I would highly recommend it to anybody who's who's interested in the uh, concepts of liberty, personal property, and the uh, spirit of sort of markets and competition. Did you get a chance to to uh, talk with with one of our favorite people on the the planet here at, at Sullivan Enterprise, George Gilder? I did not. I did not. Uh, I was trying to, but he was not up there while I was up there. So. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. I believe he was in China, which is is what what I want to, uh, I have to uh, go talk back about. Then, obviously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is what which I want to want to talk about next. A couple a couple of, of different things. I I, I attended the Axton Institute's mm-hmm. online um, uh, um, Acton University this week, and sure. and George yeah. Gilder was one of the speakers there, and he is still very upset with the whole notion that people are are crazy and nuts about the privacy issue as they exist today. He mm-hmm. just dismisses it as a total non-issue. And because he what he truly believes, and, and Ron Quanta, we talked a little bit about this last time with you as well, that the blockchain is, is going to replace the internet as it is right now with internet 2.0 or 3.0, wherever point we're up to right now, where security and individuality is baked into the system. And Sean, first, first to you on that. Uh, do, do you think that oh, gee, George has that, that right? Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, softball question. Yeah, this is the soul of enterprise. This ain't, you know, this is the big leagues here. Uh, <laughs> um, well, so uh, I would say that um, that any time that a individual or a firm wants to use a online application or online platform, it's important to always understand sort of what rights you are actually giving up. Right. And I do think that this whole conversation is a good, I think, moment for all of us, be it here in the U.S., be it in China, be it individuals or uh, uh, firms to actually understand, right, um, what rights, what information, what pieces of ourselves we are actually giving up to firms like Facebook, Google, Twitter, Instagram uh, and and all the rest. And so, and so, what I would say there is that you know it's really going to, uh, as I boil down to the core, I think question right here is, um, what do individuals value more, right? Their your privacy and their 
information or the applications um, that they can use via Google, via Instagram, via TikTok, via Snapchat, all the rest. Cool. Ron, what are your thoughts on that security and, and the blockchain being an answer to some of the security holes that we see now? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that perspective that blockchain technology will enable greater control. I think one of the real challenges, and I'll almost push back on what some of my colleagues talk about, I don't think it's a technology challenge. I, I suspect leveraging blockchain and it will continue to evolve. That will continue to have the, the tools to use blockchain on a corporate and, and on even on an individual level. I think part of it, Ed, is, is re-educating ourselves. We give up so much information to giant corporations like Facebook and Google right now. And what we're looking at is a world where we own our individual information. And one of the, the examples I often put forward is um, in healthcare. Uh, and for example, if you have six doctors, technically you have six different sets of data, six different profiles of who you are to six different sets of doctors. What happens when blockchain technology <clears throat> enables us to own that data on our own? Will we be comfortable doing that? And for me, it's a generational conversation. My my elderly family members may not be, and maybe it's even difficult for me, but I will have, you know, there will be children and grandchildren coming after me where they will have the opportunity to own, and in some instances, and Sean, you and I have had this conversation in the past, monetize their data. Mm-hmm. And what does that do to the economic models of the Facebooks and Googles of the world? That That world is coming. Yeah, turn, turns it upside down completely, or actually, as George would say, inside out. And and I, but but again, staying on the, the medical thing. And what if you connect via blockchain? You're twenty three and me, and you're you're the, mm. you're the very DNA, the essence of who you are in some kind of a blockchain technology, and that goes with your profile, not only to the first doctor, but to all six doctors that you mm-hmm. see. Uh, Ron, continue on th- thoughts on that. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And then we start asking ourselves really important. Co- questions about how do we manage one of the tools for managing that data? How do I decide that Dr. Ed Kless gets to see certain information, but others don't? How do I decide how that gets monetized? And taking that uh, 23andMe example even further, when you look at the science of the genetic work that's happening, it'll become not just a matter of, hey, tell me based on my genetic profile where I come from, but tell me what diseases I might be predisposed to. And how does that play from an insurance perspective? How do we manage that data in a secure way? And I would argue that the underlying foundation of technology and data storage will come from leveraging blockchain technology. There's really no other way to do that without giving up core fundamental data that is inherent for all of us. And in doing that, if we don't do that, we lose that privacy again. Yeah, and that that's that's going to be an interesting point, uh, uh, Sean. Over over to you. The can uh, my, the application from from an accounting perspective might be something more along the lines of preventing identity theft or income tax filing or even perhaps voting. What about th- thoughts on that? Oh, sure. So, I mean, the uh, applications and the upside for blockchain from a bookkeeping, record keeping, accounting point of view are almost uh, the upside is almost impossible to actually calculate right the the uh because by its nature anything to do with accounting bookkeeping be it in healthcare be it in uh doing ap ar inventory records or voting records i don't like that it 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 honestly is um going to boil down to being able to compare the 
uh, current records versus the inputting data and trying to understand sort of what's happening be, between the information that we have, the uh, inflow of information, and then trying to reconcile the differences. So I would say really, Ed, that the application of I say blockchain for anything to do with insurance, accounting, markets, uh, shipping stuff, of uh, you know, back and forth, be it actually uh, goods or information. And I do think that that an area that is not talked about too much is the idea of trying to harness blockchain for IP for any sort of uh, intellectual property, which I would assume that all of us now are at home sort of watching more stuff on Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, Hulu, all the rest. Um, all of that is going to be a issue as to one, uh, how to monetize all of those uh, streams of information and data, and then two, how to accurately report that information now and going forward. Yeah, and 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 ro rolling this back up, I mean, I, I think this is these are all really interesting use cases down at the small side. But I would imagine, uh, Ron, that we're starting to see the 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 foundations for this th this type of stuff being laid at the top level. When you were on last with Eric Askerson, we we talked about the the interplay and inter interchange between private blockchains and public blockchains and how we saw that that might be something that emerges have you started to see that at the at the wall street level or at the the, the level that you guys are talking talking to your to your customers about yeah, absolutely. From the context of that interplay between different ecosystems, different participants, leveraging the ability to communicate with different blockchains, that that conversation, quote unquote, around interoperability, uh, really is developing pretty quickly. And there are challenges there. There are there are how do we have different protocols or different blockchains that are based on different consensus methodologies talk to each other? But whether you're looking at banking, whether you're looking at trading, again, I'll, I'll use the healthcare example uh, again, Ed. Um, that inter interoperability question at a technology level, that interoperability question as a, at a governance level. How do we decide who connects to which blockchains and which blockchains can talk to each other are really the high-level conversations that are, that are beginning to really come to top of mind for everyone right now. Yeah, I think that, that that's truly one of the, the more fascinating uh, pieces of it. Well, we've got a cu couple of, of, of minutes le left, and I want to um, perhaps carry this conversation over, but let's start it anyway. Uh, Ron, the last time you were on, you said, in, in a world of Internet of Things, who not only talk to a server but talk to one another, blockchain is going to have a huge, uh, huge value. And this is just along the lines of what you were saying. And the healthcare example is a great one. How about with respect to COVID-19 and or any other future pandemic or disease that comes down? Because uh, one of the things that has you know, turned on all, well, it's not on on all of our phones, but it's available in all our firms is the, you know, the near term capability of exchanging who, who has COVID, wh did you come into contact and contact tracing? So uh, is, are you seeing any of that start to percolate? Yeah, we, we absolutely are. And one of the challenges when you're dealing with pandemics like COVID, one of the challenges when you're dealing with personally identifiable information and privacy records in healthcare uh, is really the speed of reporting. There was this really interesting study, Ed, I, I, probably a couple of years ago, we may have discussed it, uh, where the FDA was looking at things like adverse reaction reporting. If Ed and Ron took a certain medicine and Ed didn't get sick, but Ron did, sometimes it would take three months for that to get reported back to the FDA. 
platform providers in the blockchain space are looking to leverage blockchain to really not just secure that data, your personally identifiable information, but also speed up that process. What happens when regulatory authorities or hospitals or uh, the CDC, for example, can know almost instantaneously because they're part of the same blockchain? And that's really the core of the conversation, speeding up the ability to protect people's information, but access that data to save people's lives in some instances. Yes, and I think a, a great example of this with with COVID nineteen would be, just be the example of cause of death and and yep. how how that if 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 the doctors had access to the, the all of the medical conditions of all of these people, we would probably have a better picture as to what's going on here. Well, well, we'll we'll probably pick up on that when we get back, but uh, we do have a break coming up. I want to remind you that the play, best place to get a hold of us is of course the website thesoulofenterprise.com. But please do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. We know a lot of our listeners uh, use Apple Podcasts or Google or Overcast or whatever your podcast player of choice is. We'd love to have you subscribe to us. So why don't you, if you're listening on a podcast, click pause right now before the commercial break and make sure that you subscribe. Uh, the great thing, you'll never miss an episode. So we're really glad to have you on now. But right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We are on the Soul of Enterprise today with Dr. Sean Stein-Smith and Ron Crowanta. We unfortunately do not have my partner in crime, Ron Baker, today. He's experiencing some medical challenges, but don't worry. I did uh, interact with Ron today. He's doing a lot better and uh, hopefully will be in the saddle with us next week. Uh, so we're looking forward to having him back. Uh Guys, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the ultimate use case of, of blockchain. Not ultimate. I would, I would say the one that is clearly the most famous, and that is Bitcoin. And 
one of the, this is going back and uh, again using the the dates of of Ron's last appearance on this was was just after the the Bitcoin Cash split, and by my research and I, I may have this wrong, but I, I I did try try to get this down when when Bitcoin Cash split it 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 split at about ten percent of the price of current of, of what that Bitcoin was. So it was Bitcoin was at $3,300 and Bitcoin cash when it split off was at $330 roughly. That's <laughs> so it's about a 10% ratio. Well, I checked today and Bitcoin cash is now 2.5% <laughs> of the value. So we went with, with uh, Bitcoin being at $9,333 versus $230 today. So uh, Sean, um, what's up with that? Well, I mean, uh, I think that you raised a very important issue there, Ed, right? Is that everybody is obsessed on the price of Bitcoin, right? And actually, obsessing on the price of uh, Bitcoin undermines its original use case, right? Because originally, right, if we if you go back in time, right, to you know, 2008, 2009, the uh, original uh, actual use case of Bitcoin was to actually replace fiat currencies to actually replace us dollars euros yen all the rest but but uh all of us are so obsessed on and and all put us focus on the the price of bitcoin bitcoin cash bitcoin sv that all of that actually undermines its original use case and i would say really honestly ed that and uh and I know that, and I do know that it's going to be like hot take right here. Um, that obviously Bitcoin has failed as actual money, right? Because I can't use Bitcoin to to actually go buy stuff on Amazon, at Target, Walmart, all the rest. And so, really, sort of this obsession over the price action and the you know uh, and uh, its price volatility of Bitcoin really undermines its original uh use case but it actually has actually spurred forward the uh development and innovation of other crypto asset use cases yep cool so ron bring in what what are your thoughts on this the the split of the of of bitcoin uh into you know all of these other platforms and what what effect that's had on on blockchain technology in total Sure. And I will start this, Ed, the way I think I started our last conversation, which is where I tell you that nothing I'm about to say is investment advice, nor would I recommend. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. blah. Okay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so look, I mean, I, when you look at when you look at things like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash, when you look at these hard forks and soft forks, we really always come back to use case. What is it meant to accomplish? And without getting into the technicals, Bitcoin Cash was meant to accommodate larger, <clears throat> pardon me, larger transactions blocks and larger larger transactions, but there, you can't really deny the fact that Bitcoin has been running 24-7, 365 for over a decade. It has a multi-billion dollar global capital market or capital value. And in the wake of that, to, to highlight Sean's point a bit more, is that we now, I, th I think it's on the order of 5,000 different cryptocurrencies around the world. So mm -hmm. it really comes down to what is it being used for? Bitcoin is a really powerful medium of exchange, uh, a pretty volatile store of value. So I would agree. I would tend to agree with Sean that we're not in the space of uh, Bitcoin being money by any stretch, but it does have very practical 
very important uses. And I would argue that the things worth investing in, the things worth being part of, are those cryptocurrencies and those crypto assets that have use cases uh, going forward. So when you look at Ethereum, which is meant to allow for smart contracts and applications to be built on blockchain, when you look at some of the blockchains they're meant to, um, and in crypto assets, they're meant to power digital media, for example, or even uh, streaming video in some instances, believe it or not, you begin to see that those ecosystems are worth looking into. The other side of that, Ed, if I could for just a moment, uh, I, I, I really have the privilege of spending a lot of time talking to institutional investors and, and hedge funds uh, that for a long time, and I remember our conversation back in 2018, kind of shied away from this stuff, or it was so volatile, so unknown, and some of them still thought it was illegal that they didn't want to touch it. But look what's happened now. There are exchanges that trade specifically different types of crypto asset derivatives. There'll be crypto asset ETFs. You may have seen some of the news. How the financial markets operate and the assets you'll be able to invest in over time, a substantial proportion of them will be based on things like Bitcoin and crypto assets and blockchain. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really important point. I, I I think once we can do it, make it real easy to to convert cash to to Bitcoin uh, in any way, whatever format, that that's going to make a difference. And I, the thing that I I just noticed is all of these are, all of the splits, Ethereum, which I know wasn't a split that kind of started its own chain, but it, it's they they all right now are still based on ultimately Bitcoin. And in in my view. It's Bitcoin that's going to survive long term. Some of the other these others might come along as well, but I think Bit, Bitcoin is going to be here to stay. So, quick thoughts on that, and I'll also ask Sean the same thing. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I would when I look at the Bitcoin use cases, when you hear the conversations about the Amazons of the world uh, and and other firms uh, and other organizations allowing for those mobile payments. And think about that comment and discussion we had a bit earlier, Ed, which is it's also a general uh, generational conversation. And let me tell you what I mean by that. So again, the old timers like you and I, I remember back in the day having to go to a bank with my safe, uh, my savings account deposit book, for example. But when you look yeah. at, at applications like Robinhood that allow for the fractional investment of not just equities, but of crypto assets, for example, that's going to continue to evolve. And you'll begin to see that greater and greater adoption because it's, it's there and available for them in, in an easier way than they ever had that access before. Sean? Yeah. And uh, I would just add, up, add on to that comment um, in so much as, you know, whether or not it's going to be Bitcoin proper itself. That's going to drive the innovation and and sort of this whole this whole conversation forward. But I I would argue that the conversation and the innovation spurred forward by Bitcoin, the Bitcoin blockchain, to just echo what Ron was saying, it it is going to lead to the uh, uh, development and the maturation of a whole ecosystem of applications and I think use cases based on a blockchain plat uh, platform. Yeah, I was just talking to someone today about this earlier, and one of the things they 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 were asking me is, well, what what prevents banks from creating their own currency? I said, well, that would be the Federal Reserve, right? Which when that went went into effect, banned that from happening. Mm -hmm. And he said, "Well, if that's true, how how is it that that Bitcoin exists?" I said, "Because Bitcoin is not classified by the government as a currency; it's property, and and that's that that's that's why it can coexist right now." I, 
I think we are headed for a time when there's go- where there's going to be a challenge. I don't know if it's going to happen at the Supreme Court level to that to, to that notion that they're saying that this is that, that this is property when, in fact, in order for it to really grow to fruition, it's going to have to be transacted and recognized to a certain extent as a currency. So Sean first and then Naran. Yeah, sure. And uh, and, uh, and I'm totally on board uh, on board um, with an argument right there, Ed. But the uh, but main issue, I would argue, is that the so price volatility and the price action linked to Bitcoin and other and other crypto assets does have to become more let's say normalized, right? In in order for to be used as a currency, right? Because uh, it can be classified as a currency or as a medium doing transactions, but unless individuals and firms are confident in actually using it, that I think price volatility is going to have to be addressed. And I don't know if it's going to be a a matter or issue for the courts to handle, or I think anyway, it's going to be a issue for the markets to handle. Ron. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. It's an interesting conversation, Ed, because it, ultimately it's almost a political economy conversation. And what do I mean by that? Nation states will not give up their fiat currency control easily. Mm-hmm. And so it is no mistake that the Federal Reserve, for example, is looking at potentially leveraging blockchain for the movement of money and the movement of value. There, there is no mistake that central banks around the world are looking at these this idea of central bank digital currencies, leveraging blockchain capabilities and crypto assets to control their money supply. So I, I don't think we're in danger that Bitcoin replaces the dollar, for example. What I think we really need to face is that how dollars do what they do and that interaction in global markets, while it worked for a very long time, is in, inefficient compared to what things like Bitcoin can do. And it's interesting to see that now government, government at the highest levels is trying to understand what that impact is. So I don't see this displacement of the dollar particularly, but you could imagine cryptographically based control over fiat currency. And interesting enough, we'll, we'll turn uh, to our, t- that, our attention in perhaps the fourth segment. But it, you know, the, just addressing the volatility issue, uh, y- yes, if you look at the fluctuations, Bitcoin has been more volatile than, say, the, the Dow. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actual net, I mean, I think almost to the day, to the day, 365 days ago, Bitcoin was the same price it is today. I mean, <laughs> so, which is certainly we can't say that about about the Dow or just about any any other uh, uh, stock at this point. Although there's there's been you know a little bit of a recovery, especially among those top top assets. So um, I, I think the volatility is certainly still a concern. But every day, as you point out, Ron, it 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 exists. It becomes less of an issue. Yep, fully agreed. And and the last point I'll make there, Ed, if I could, is um, there's substantive work happening right now to address that volatility. We were very privileged. Sean um, chaired the publication of our stablecoin advanced considerations document. Stablecoins designed very specifically to minimize the volatility associated with some of these crypto assets. 
Well, great. Well, let's 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 perhaps turn our attention to that when we come back from our break. But want to remind you that to get a hold of Ron or me, you need to send an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Mention the website, but we also do have our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash TSOE, where you can listen to this episode commercial free, as well as the bonus episodes that Ron and I usually do. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to get one out in the past couple of weeks, but we will be back in it. But right now, a word from our sponsor, and in this case, my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is, for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. With Ron Quaranta, Chairman and CEO of the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, and Dr. Sean Stein-Smith, Assistant Professor of Business and Economics at Lehman College. And we are talking hardcore Bitcoin, blockchain, and all things cryptocurrency. And last on my list of topics that I want to get to, and it was perfect that you guys set me up for this in the last segment, the question that I have is, uh, well, let me set it up. I believe it was about a month ago. The Chinese government has released a fiat currency based on blockchain, and it's a major state trial of this with transactions flowing through this. So the first question we can launch from here is, so is China ahead of us on this? And let's go to Ron first. Good question, Ed, and I would argue from a technology perspective, I would argue from a, a, a governmental focus on innovations in things like blockchain uh, and even beyond that, AI, for example, China really is investing uh, in these kind of forward-looking technologies. And so when you look at the, uh, I believe you're absolutely right, it was about a month ago, maybe a little less, uh, that China proposed a four-nation uh, stablecoin that would be based on uh, blockchain, uh, and it would have the uh, Chinese yuan, um, Korean currency, Japanese currency, 
really as a way of creating a stable coin and creating in many regards a trading block they're they're thinking much further ahead and and that's not unusual china has these 50 year plans where they look to leverage um technology to reinvent uh, their position in the world so um if you look beyond that and you peel back some of the layers of that they've invested billions of dollars in economic development zones and technology development zones. And there's one very specifically, and I might be misremembering, Sean, you may remember better than I do, very specifically focused on leveraging blockchain technology for the Chinese government uh, and their nation across multiple industry segments. Sean. Yeah. So, and um, I would just add on, um, let's say adding on to that, is that the um, Chinese government did have a sort of plan that, that was rolled out that they have by 20 by 2025 the the nation government of of china does have a plan to be a, a dominant player in ai blockchain and other sort of cutting edge um uh technology applications but i would say that with any application right any tool any sort of new currency application building on a um blockchain platform there is going to be a balance between privacy uh human rights and innovation which i would say that really has to be taken into account with any announcement any pronouncement any sort of market headline i would say coming out of uh, china and so meaning that even though uh, they actually might get out in front of the U.S. in terms of a application of a sort of crypto yuan uh, at the door, it is too early to say sort of how well or how much it can be used by individuals and merchants on a everyday basis. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, they have the advantage of being a communist state and say, yeah, you'll use it or that's... Uh... Oh yeah, a, there is that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, they, I, I, and I, it, it is definitely tragic, and the, the goings on of what's happening in in Hong Kong as well. Although, you know, the the reverse is sort of true. I'm I'm hearing that some people are trying are are, are starting to get their assets out of Hong Kong using uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, and I think that, Ed, it's Ron, just to, to weigh yep. in on that. Yeah, I think I think that's it's important when you look at that through context. As a as a communist nation, the last thing they want is to lose control of how capital flees their country, um, particularly when you look at some of the political and economic challenges around Hong Kong. So I think there, it's not just the China's on this kind of. Um, cusp of innovation in different technologies. There's a very political reason for some of the work that they're doing. There's also a very political reason. Uh, it, it came not long after and looks in some ways similar to Facebook's Libra. Mm. aimed to be a global payments platform leveraging the, the the billions of people who are on Facebook. China needs to capture control of that. And I would argue that they're leveraging blockchain technology in some way to try to do that. Why do yeah. you think Facebook pulled back on that? I think I, that's an interesting question, and I I, um, I was not in Washington for Mark Zuckerberg's testimony. Uh, I was there for some of the testimony from 
uh, some of the other Facebook uh, executives. I, I think it was in some measure the, the Congress's inability to understand bluntly some of what Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook were trying to accomplish. But I think they did a relatively poor job of defining governance. They did a poor job of defining uh, this won't be just a Facebook platform. Um, and in the absence of being able to do that, they were forced to retrench a little bit. They were forced to pivot a little bit. And they just released, I, I want to say about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, Ed, um, their revisions to Libra and their new wallet platform and structure that's meant to alleviate some of those concerns. But it, it, it looked too much like Facebook owning the transfer of value and money. And, and politicians and legislators around the world would automatically going to have a problem with that. Yeah, they don't like that a lot. That's no, they do not no, like that a whole no, lot. Absolutely not. No, and then uh, I would just add to that that especially after the um, twenty sixteen uh, outcomes with you know uh, the presidents and all the rest, there was some animosity and some ill will towards Facebook on the Hill uh, on I say both sides of the aisle, and so as Ron was saying the. Uh, inability to separate the your project, which I think on, on its merits actually worked quite well from Facebook and all of the uh, associations that it had, both good and bad, I think really doomed the uh, project out the gate. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, we got about uh, four minutes left or so here, and I'm going to ask you to do something that I hate being asked myself, but I will play along with this. So I promise you, I'm not going to leave you guys out in the, the cold on this. So um, I'm going to ask for, well, I, I will share with mine. So Bitcoin price one year from now, Jeez. five years from now, <laughs> 10 years from now. All right. Well, I know you well, all hate first. this question. Ron, you go first, all right? <laughs> so, oh. No, no, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll be the, I'll be the guinea pig because then, okay. then you know, 10 years from now when they listen back to the show, they say Ed Kluss was a moron first. Okay. <laughs> oh. So, so I'm, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go one year from now, $12,000. I'm going to go five years from now, I'm going to say 20000 mm-hmm. and 10 years, 200000 That's my number. And I, I guess I've got to go first. So thank you for that, Sean and Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, Ron. What the I won't. Um, I'll now add another disclaimer and say that this is not the view of the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance or the <laughs> board thereof. <laughs> Um, so I look. I, I think it, it it's it's kind of really important when you look at Goldman and these other organizations putting out price projections. I'll go with the Goldman model, which I think they predicted twenty thousand by the end, probably in the next twelve months. Um, if we see IoT adoption of Bitcoin, which I think we might, I anticipate one hundred thousand in five years. Wow. Okay. All right, John. All right, so uh, I'm I'm uh, on the hot seat here. Okay, uh, as a resident as a resident CPA, I will uh, neither confirm or or <laughs> deny any of these valuations oh. after this uh, uh, presentation. Okay. But uh, I would say that sort of based on sort of what I'm seeing, uh, what I'm hearing out of firms like Goldman and J.P. Morgan, I would not be surprised if Bitcoin within the next three ish years is is at 25,000. And if we're going out to 10 years, I'd say 250. 
All right. Well, we we are all relatively in the same ballpark on this, so that's that's pretty. So we can be all wrong so you'd together. So you all completely incorrect in about five years. You would come back and be like, "Oh my god, we blew it completely." So looking forward. God. Yes, that'd be great. Well, we can. Ron Baker can host that episode yeah, and call us out on yeah, the carpet. You can roast this. Yeah, that's right. Look, look what happens. Look, look what happens when Ron Baker's not around. Ed. That's right. This it's this may control. have been part of his evil plan. But uh, thank you guys for appearing today this is a, a terrific show i know ron is going to miss you guys and not being able to interact with you guys so we really appreciate this and we'll definitely have both of you back uh maybe together maybe separately who knows but uh right now we want to remind you that next week on the show it's going to be our third interview with dr paul thomas from plum Healthcare. we'll hopefully get some COVID updates as well as talk about his new book which is out on his subscription-based pricing model in the medical profession so we look forward to that but right now we will see you in 167 hours this has been the soul of enterprise business in the knowledge economy sponsored by sage transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive Join us next week at on Friday at 4 p.m. That's 1 p.m. Pacific time. In the meantime, please feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com. <laughs>